0: be taking our last uh, making room. Um, Actually, we will do another making room next week uh, for Christmas Eve. It'll be a little different. It's our Christmas Eve service. But uh, today we're talking about making room for the marginalized. And um, we're going to be looking at the story of the shepherds, which I always love this story. um, because It's such a a surprising story. Um, And so we're going to read from Luke 2, 8 to 20. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. And today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be given as a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. At this time in history, a royal birth... I feel like I'm pretty loud. Is it too loud? No? Okay, for me it's loud. It must be just the way it's echoing. Um, This time in history, many births, uh, a royal birth, an important birth, would have been announced. In a royal way. It would have been before a lot of important people. It would have been in a palace. It would have been in a, in a, in a grand way. And the most important person would have been there. And interestingly, in the book by Bet Dickinson that we've been going through, the, the, the devotional, she says, in contrast, the arrival of King Jesus' birth was not announced in the palace courts to the privileged, but incognito in an ordinary field to lowly shepherds. See, religious people of that day would have assumed if the Messiah were to come, they'd be the first to know. They should be on the first list to be told that it's happening. They're the important ones. They're the chosen ones of, uh, of Israel. They knew the scriptures. Um, they would have been appalled at the idea of such an announcement coming to anyone other than them, for starters, but also it coming to shepherds. Shepherds. Who cares about shepherds? Shepherds were the lowest of society. They were at the bottom. They were excluded. They were despised. They were in the margins poor and dirty and lived out in the fields. They slept out there. And the writer goes on to say this, but God comes down to find the shepherds, the ones who are on the outside looking in. The glory of heaven comes down to find them on the outskirts of society in their workplace and welcomes them with a heavenly host. How marvelous, how marvelous. The good news came to the marginalized, to the struggling to the unloved, to the unwanted, to the ignored. Those on the outside looking in, Lord Jesus. Who's on the outside looking in in our society today? Who are the marginalized? There's many. Some of us may feel marginalized if we have not achieved what people expect people to have achieved in life, right? Maybe we've gone from job to job, Maybe there are those who have ended up unhoused for periods of time. Maybe there are those who are struggling to put food on the table. Maybe there are those who never got to own a home or a car and just never achieved all the things that you're supposed to have achieved, you know, as an American, right? And maybe some of us have achieved some of these physical things, but yet um, still we didn't get enough, you know? It wasn't enough for our, for our parents or for our, what we thought we would get. We feel not quite enough. That feels like we're on the outside looking in. Who else is on the outside looking in, those who've been abandoned, betrayed and abused? Children abused by parents or other authorities who should have been able to be trusted? Husbands and wives abused by wives and husbands who should have treated them with care? People who've been abandoned or betrayed by family or lovers, parents or children? Any of us who've been suffered or hurt by those Who should have loved us, who should have cared for us, and now as a result, we kind of come out of that feeling permanently damaged, right? Shamed on the outside. Who's also on the outside looking in? There's those who feel alone. They don't have anybody to be with. They're living mostly alone. They've lost loved ones. Life will never be the same. They simply never seem to fit in. Maybe they don't necessarily feel like they're loved, who can't name a friend right now. Those are on the outside looking in. Who else is on the outside looking in? Those who feel that God and the church have let them down. They have been wounded by church people or pastors. They've seen hypocrisy in the church. They maybe even felt hated uh, and abandoned and, and discharged by, rejected by religious people. And there's those that have had questions about God but don't know who to ask them of. They think maybe I'm not supposed to ask the questions. Those who feel like I'm not sure I have any faith in Jesus at all. Those on the outside looking in. Who else is on the outside looking in? Those whose struggle is not seen. They look fine on the outside, but internally there's a struggle. Mental health struggles, depression, anxiety fears, phobias, addictions, strongholds, all of these things that make it hard and seem to overwhelm us in times, these are the things that make us feel like we're on the outside, like if people only knew what was going on inside, they would think differently about me. Anybody ever thought that? Do you relate to any of this? Can we sometimes feel like we're on the outside, like everybody else has got it more put together than we do? And also, do we know people in our families, in our friends, our neighbors, who feel like they are on the outside looking in, that they've never quite fit in. I want to tell you something. Today we have good news for you. And we have good news for them. That you are welcome here. There is a place at the table. The door is always open to Jesus. He loves you. He cares for you. And you can be part of this family of God, just as you are, just who you are. There's a place. There's a place for you. You The door is always open. And why? Because Jesus was also on the outside. Do you realize that? He was born to a very poor family who had no place to go and no place to sleep. Um, His birth was announced to lowly shepherds. Jesus came in on the outside. And he came to outside. He was born into the margins and was announced to the marginalized. That's our Lord. It's so interesting how Jesus upended the normal way of the world, right? The normal way of the world is those who are great are elevated and those who are not are lowered. But yet Jesus, who is great, lowered himself for us. He lowers himself for us. He reversed it. We talked about this in Isaiah 40 last week, right? That the mountains will be made low and the valleys will be raised up. And that's exactly what Jesus does. It's an upside-down kingdom that he has for us. And so we can be like that because our leader was. We can be those who would elevate those who are, who are pressed down and who are laid down. And we ourselves, we can lower ourselves if we've gotten a little too high in our own minds. We can do it because Jesus did it. We're told to be like him in Philippians 2. It says, Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. With a Lord like that, it's no surprise that the angel bypassed the temple, bypassed all the important people, and went straight out to those sort of smelly, dirty shepherds out in the field. It's no surprise. This is the kind of God we have. He goes straight out to the one who needs him. He reaches out to the lonely. And the angels brought a simple and freeing message to them. And I want to just talk about that for just a few minutes. I want to tell you three things that the angels said to those lowly shepherds, to those people on the outside, to those regular folk doing regular work out in their workplace, those marginalized, unloved, unwanted, ignored shepherds. This is what the angels said to them. And they said, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you great news that will cause great joy for all the people. So the first thing he says is, don't be afraid. The announcement of Jesus should take away your fear. See, when we're on the margins, we're always a little afraid, aren't we? We're afraid the bottom's going to drop out, that when's the other shoe going to drop, right? If the money's going to run out, if that person I trusted now is not going to be trustworthy. We're always afraid when we're on the outside looking in. We're afraid that no one will ever love us. Fear can be overwhelming. It can take over our life. And he's saying, do not fear. Do not fear. The good news is coming, and that is this, that Jesus has your back. He loves you. He's always going to be there for you. There is really nothing. If you know Jesus, if you're settled in him and your identity is in him, there's honestly not one thing on this whole earth that should frighten you. Okay? doesn't mean that there might not be some hard things that will happen. And sometimes the money does run out, at least for a little bit. Usually he provides eventually. Sometimes the money gets pretty low. Sometimes people are not nice to us that should be nice to us. Sometimes we get hurt. Sometimes there's hardship. But Jesus is there with us in all of that mess. He never leaves us. And if we know that we're his and that we're loved by him and that we're going to be with him one day, there's nothing to fear. Even death, we do not have to fear. Because we know who we will be with. We know where we're going. Don't fear. He will fill up every empty place. He will restore what the locusts have eaten. Do not be afraid, the angel says. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. afraid. I feel like I need to just keep saying that. Do Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Nothing to be afraid of. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the second thing the angel declares is I bring you good news. This is good news that Jesus came to us, a Savior that we all needed. And we know the end of the story, right, that Jesus lived and walked and taught and went to the cross for us. Why? So we could become his family. So we could become his children. So we could become a new creation, have our sins forgiven, and be rescued from darkness and brought into the light. That's the good news, You're wanted and loved, and Jesus did all of that for you. Jesus became just a few cells in Mary's body for you. Jesus was even birthed out of the birth canal for you. Jesus had to grow up as a kid and then go through puberty for you. Pretty amazing. And then Jesus walked and lived and preached. And healed and taught and he did so much and that and was killed for it all for you and me. You know, he could have called down a thousand angels at any point while he was on the cross and said, stop this thing. But he said, no, because... I love this one, and I love that one. I love him, and I love her, and I want to make a way for them to come into relationship with me. And so he submitted to death on a cross and was buried in the grave, but what happened? We know the grave could not hold him, right? No, he was raised from the dead, conquering sin and death, victorious over the grave, and now rules in heaven, seated in glory and honor and power. Hallelujah! 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 And so when I was thinking about this, the the song kept going through my mind. (laughs) Was, how can I be discouraged? How can the shadows come? You know, you sing it with me. How can my heart be lonely? And long for heaven and home, because Jesus is my portion. For Jesus is my portion, a constant friend is he, his eyes on the sparrow, and I know he watches over me, hallelujah, praise him. We do not need to be discouraged. His eye is on you. He never lets you go. This is the good news. Amen. Amen. Good news. Good news. Hallelujah. He also spoke to us. No fear. The angels spoke no fear. Spoke good news. And then finally, they declared that this is going to be a great joy for all people. This is news is going to bring great joy. You get joy out of this. You and I get joy. There's joy to come. And know Jesus, there's joy to know that your sins are forgiven, that your, the slate's wiped clean, whatever you've done, whatever you have, whatever shame that you carry, you can lay it all down. Well, there's joy in that. And there's also joy because you get to be part of the people of God. See, when you become a believer in Jesus, you automatically become part of a global family of people who love Jesus. You got no choice. <laughs> Welcome to the family. You're part of the family. You're part of the family. And if you're in this place and decide that this is your church, you get to be part of this family at Gate City Vineyard. And I love this family. This is a great family. This is the family to be in, right? I mean, this is the one. This church should be a place of joy and gladness because Jesus has brought us his joy. Doesn't mean we're always happy, doesn't mean things are going well. We've got lots of people been in and out of the hospital. We got lots of people with all kinds of things they're going through. And yet there's a joy that comes from knowing that Jesus loves us and he's with us and he walks through us with us through every single thing. That never goes away, people. I've been following Jesus a lot of years, and it's always there. It's always, always there. It's a glorious privilege. And so this is a place we get to live that together. And there's joy in that. To be with one another, and to help one another, and to care for one another, we find freedom. Paul and I have a little wall hanging in our in our home. Um, you can put that up there, and uh, it's a kind of an inexpensive thing. I think it was on sale at Home Goods or something. But it's my favorite thing in the house, and it says, "This home is full of joy." Now listen, it doesn't mean that we don't get angry with one another, that we don't get cross, that we don't have bad days, that we won't struggle, that we don't have loss and sadness and anger, and all the rest, we're human beings. But this home is full of joy because Jesus is in it, because he's with us, and he fills that house, and he helps us in our relationships to have joy among us and a joy with each other because there's joy in our hearts because we know him, amen? And I, I want to hang, I wish we could have another one and hang it in here because there's joy in this home. There's joy in this place because Jesus is with us. That's never going away. That's never going away. So I want us to receive that, to choose to see it, Amen. to choose to see that in one another. You never need to be on the outside looking in. This gift is for everyone. It's for everyone. You don't have to worry about fitting in. You already fit. I've, already sa- I've always said... Um, If you want any proof that God loves all people, just look around the church because there's a big variety here and there. We're kind of a bunch of oddballs and misfits, some of us, right? We just, you know, we just all come together from all different places and types of people, and we all come together. You know, this is the vineyard, too. I mean, the vineyard started, if you'll recall, as a place um, for for hippies. It was kind of a hippie movement back in the 70s and um, people that didn't fit into normal church, you know, and they came to the vineyard. And I, I, I pray that would be true for us, that whether you're normal or, at, or not so normal, that you would know that you have a place here, that you're welcome here. I once had a friend who, uh, you know, she didn't like going to church because she felt she had to dress up. She'd always gone to those churches where people were, you know, suits and ties and dresses. And I think that's lovely. It's beautiful. There's nothing wrong with that. But she just always felt like she just didn't, you know, fit in. She didn't have the nice enough clothes and people were looking at her. They might, probably weren't, but she just felt uncomfortable, Right. And so I just want to say to you this morning that if you want to show up in your pajamas to church, you can. I don't care. All right? Just come. Come as you are. All right? I might be surprised next week. <laughs> Actually, I almost came in my pajamas, my son will tell you. I was t- thinking about it because um, our, our beloved Biscuit passed away, our little dog, last, last, last night, yesterday, um, in the morning, early morning. She was almost 17, so she really made it a long time and was a sweet, sweet thing, but I didn't get out of my pajamas all day yesterday, I just want to tell you, <laughs> um, because I was like I couldn't just face anything, so we just, you know, I was in my pajamas all day, so but you can come as you are, that's, that's what it means to say come as you are, doesn't matter, I'm just so happy that we're here, so happy we're here. On the other hand, I have another friend who said she went to a very hipster church that was very like, you know, we're all hipster and cool and low-key and casual. So everybody had to wear jeans. Like if you're ever a little more dressed up than jeans, like there was something wrong with you. And so she felt uncomfortable because she liked to dress up for church. She's like, I want to put a little something on and be special for Jesus. And so I also want to say that if you want to put on some bling and be looking fly and looking great, like have at it. Like, come on. Uh, There we go. There we go. Come on. Whatever, this is what it means to come as you are, right? Dressy or casual, you know, highbrow, lowbrow, whatever you want to wear, whatever you want to be, this is a place where there's a place at the table for you and for me. Hallelujah. That's what it means. This is joy. This is joy. This is joy. So, are we making room? Are we making room? I hope this message is an encouragement to you that um, you are loved, you are welcome. You don't need to fear uh, that God has, has extended his hand to you and is going to take care of you and me. But I want you also to know one more thing. This message is not just for you, and it's not just for me. But we're meant to ask ourselves, am I making room for the marginalized and for the outcast? Not only am I made room for, but am I making room in my life for those that are struggling, for those that are unloved, those that are alone, Am I making room in my life for them? Because all around us, there are those who are feeling like they are on the outside looking in, who are struggling, particularly at Christmas. This is why we have a blue Christmas service. This can be a very hard time of year for some people. It's hard for us who are all big celebrators to recognize that. For some, it is really hard. Though we're having this service so people can come and just, we'll still celebrate Jesus, but it's just going to be quieter and more reflective. There's a place for every person Think about the people in your community, in your neighborhood, in your family, who might feel unloved, unwanted, on the outside looking in. They need to know that Jesus is here for them, and that Jesus has a place for them too. And it's on us, right? It's on us to tell them. It's on us to be that hands and feet of Jesus. And so I'm thinking that Jesus, God, God might be putting someone on your heart right now. Maybe someone in your um, in your neighborhood or in your family, maybe someone who has no place to go, who might be lonely this season. Um, You know, I think about the neighborhood. For those of you that were at that funeral of of Sharon Watson and her neighbors all stood up and and shared about what a great neighbor she was. And I had people here come to me afterwards and be like, I don't even know the names of my neighbors. (laughs) And all of her neighbors just knew her so well. And so I want to challenge us. I want to say, if you don't know the names of your neighbors, you need to. We need to know our neighbors. We're we're the light of Jesus on our little street or in our little apartment building. We are are the light of Jesus, and we can bring the love and the care of Jesus. Let's get to know our neighbors a little bit. Let's love them and think about who's living alone, who could use a box of Christmas cookies, who could use a coffee. And I also want us to think about people here in our church. There's lots of people in our church who um, could use a loving hand and some people who have medical things going on, um, so... Just reach out, love one another, let's love one another, we're a family. Nobody should be left out. We prayed that in the, in the, in the offering prayer, I love that that was today, I didn't really quite realize that, of um, let there be no needy person among us. No needy person. And I don't just mean money-wise, although that's true too. <laughs> but let there be no one here in need of a friend. And let us be the ones who reach out to one another, make sure everyone's got a friend here. And then think about people in your family. Some of you have family coming in. This is where it gets really interesting, right? The family comes in and all the unique stresses. We love them, but then, oh, yes, there's, you know, uncle so-and-so and cousin so-and-so. And my mom always gets on me about this. And um, it's very hard sometimes, right, when we go home um, or they, people come to us. And I just want to urge us all as the season approaches and as those celebrations may be coming for some of you to, to not think about your family as a place where uh, what, what you're going to get out of it. But instead, think about it, your family as a place of ministry. See, it goes back to what we were talking about before. If you know your identity is in Christ, and you know who you are and that you are loved and that you have you have acceptance in Jesus and acceptance here in this place you can go into any situation no matter how tricky or how emotional or whatever and you can be the love of Christ you can be the light of Christ in that place and just love those people in your family um, setting appropriate boundaries where necessary but loving them loving them caring for them let's be a light to our families this season this is what the good news means. It means that we receive the goodness of God and then we pour it out to others. That's, that's the good news. It's the cycle of the good news. We receive it, we pour it out, and we receive it and we pour it out. Amen. So if you've been here these last four weeks, you know what we're about to do next. We are going to uh, we've been doing uh, what something called Visio Divina, which is divine uh, seeing. Uh, where we're going to be looking at a a picture of a painting that was done by Bette Dickinson, who has has written the book that we are kind of looking at this season. And we're going to look at this painting. It's called um, The Great Arrival. It's about the shepherds coming and making their announcement. And I'm going to allow uh, some time for you to look at the painting. When it comes up, I want you to be thinking about... Uh, just asking God, what, what do you what do you want to tell me through this painting? Let him speak to you, uh, receive it, uh, listen, see what steps, you know, kind of jumps out at you from the painting, what you, strikes you about it, what is puzzling maybe to you about it. And then after two minutes of looking at the painting, I'm going to go around and have just a couple of you share what what you saw in the painting, what God showed you. No pressure, but if you have something you'd like to share we'd love to hear. It's been fun doing this, don't you think? To hear from one another. So we're going to have two minutes of listening. We'll have a little bit of sharing, and then I will come up and close before we go into our final songs. So uh, let's put up this painting, The Great Arrival. Lord, speak to us. Is there anything anyone would like to share? Yeah, Arian. Um, when I think of the universe and everything that God created, like, like the vastness of just ev- oh, it's like it's like everything coming down into this child, like like the, the immense greatness of God, like being put into this child and it's like it can't even contain in him like it's like coming out of him again like mm, just man Hmm. just think about everything that exists and how big God is and just being put into that baby Hmm. like that little mm. that's cool thank you thank you all right
1: Really strikes me, you know. I see the angels above and the shepherds below, all being drawn in to the child. Hmm. There are two streams. There's a confluence of earth and heaven. Hmm. That in this child, heaven and earth are brought together. Mm, mm, he is lot. both holy man and holy God. Hmm. And in Him.
0: Love it. Amen. Love
1: it. Amen. It's beautiful. Yep, I'm coming over. Lydia. Hey, so um what I saw in the picture was oh, gonna look over here. So it's like heaven and earth are like coming together to like meet Jesus. So we have um the like host of angels coming from the left corner, and then we see, like, the shepherds, like, their silhouettes, and they're all kind of, like, going towards Jesus, so I just saw, like, um, heaven and earth is um, just gathering around this baby.
0: Mm, that's great. Thank you. Anybody else? Last one? This one? Oh, wait You need to come forward just a little bit. Oh. Uh, Joanna come first, and I'll get you left. Yeah, just come forward though, a little bit. I just am a little afraid of feedback. um,
1: So as I've been looking at these paintings from home, (laughs) um, the one thing that strikes me is the difference between what we see when we see the light of God in them and then what the world would look like without the light of God. And um, what always strikes me is the depth of the darkness and the depth of the human experience. And the depth, the deep calling out to deep um, in this painting reminds me of the third one, which is the mysterious deep of God's heart and the way he constantly, constantly tries to find us, meet us, e- explain in without words. Um, his... Mind, his thoughts, his heart, you know, his thoughts are uncountable for you. Just the depth of all of his knowing of you. Um, And he tried to express that through Jesus and just kind of trying to understand the clearly not understandable.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Real quick, the scripture that says the word became flesh hmm. and dwelt among us that comes to mind and how Jesus is exactly what God has to say about himself. Hmm. That's what I see in this. Hmm. Exactly what God has to say about himself in a baby and Jesus' smallness doesn't reduce God's greatness. Hmm. It shows how great our God really is. That he is humble and self-giving in nature. This is our God in a manger, in a low, messy, dirty place. It's really not a manger there, is it? It doesn't matter. You guys know he was born in a manger. All right. Thank you. Beautiful. That's awesome. And I have to tell you what, what spoke to me was, and this is probably just because of my little biscuit yesterday, but I see the little sheep. I couldn't stop looking at the little sheep, and there's a beautiful verse in, in Psalms, I can't remember where it is, but it, where he says, you know, God cares for this and this and this, and, and also the animals, so God, even the sheep got to see all that, which is kind of cool, they got to see it all, and their little sheep brains, they probably didn't understand too much, just like our little our little biscuit didn't understand too much, but, um, but uh, still, whatever they did understand, God was present for them too, so I think that's kind of cool. Our God is the God of the marginalized, the outcast, the unwanted, the ignored, the helpless, the afflicted, the victimized, and the oppressed. This is our God. He's the defender of all. He does not forget. He is our helper, and he welcomes us all in. The psalmist declares it like this in Psalm 10. Arise, Lord, lift up your hand, O God. Do not forget the helpless, but you, God, see the trouble of the afflicted. You consider their grief and take it in hand. The victims commit themselves to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. You Lord, hear the desire of the afflicted, you encourage them, and you listen to their cry, defending the fatherless and the oppressed, so that the mere earthly mortals will never again strike terror. The shepherds were ignored and marginalized on the outside, looking in, but God gave them this incredible gift, this unbelievable, extraordinary gift, to see a crowd of angels. Then they got to go to the, to the, to the manger and see the Messiah in person, in the flesh. And then they got to go around telling people about it. It says when they left the stable, they returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And so that's really the response, isn't it? When you are on the outside looking in and then you're welcomed in. And then you find that Jesus not only loves you, but welcomes you, empowers you, gives you experiences of himself. He shows himself to you. What's the response? It's praise. It's thank you, God. Thank you, God. That's what the shepherds did. They just went away praising. They never forgot that day. It changed them forever. And so I pray today that this would change you forever to know that you are welcomed in. Turn to him in all of your messes, Jessica said, in all that's overwhelming. Turn to him. Let's ask the the team to come back up. And we're going to sing. And I'd like us just to take a moment as we kind of launch into this last week before the holiday uh, really sets upon us. Lord, we look to you. Lord, we're not going to be overwhelmed. We're going to, we're going to make room for you. And Lord, if we are feeling a little bit like we're on the outside looking in, Lord, we, we just want to step in to, to you, to your presence, to your, to your people. Lord, we know that you love us and you care for us, Lord. You are, um, are right there with us. And so we invite you into our lives, into our mess, Lord. We, we say to you, we are not going to be afraid. We're not going to be afraid. Because you, Lord, are going to take care of us. Lord, we can trust you in every single thing. We look to you, O Lord. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just take a moment. Just offer your heart to him. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news. that will cause great joy. For all the people. Lord, we receive your joy today. We receive the good news, Lord. We receive.